Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning does a terrific job. I don't know how that happened. I'm going to stop that right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning is the longest established air conditioning company in Naples and the Collier County area and is also uh, just does a great job. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens. I had their big event last night. Darn it, I wish I could have gone, but I look forward to uh, talk to Keith today about what's happening with education in Florida. Michael Cannon is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Big changes coming up under the Biden administration in health care. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, about big tech use as a business model, sealing intellectual property. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is February the 11th, and on this day in 1990, Nelson Mandela, leader of the movement and South African apartheid, was released from prison after 27 years. 1990. 1944, he was a lawyer, joined the African National Conference, Congress, the oldest black political organization in South Africa, when he became a leader of the Johannesburg Youth Wing of the ANC. 1952, he became deputy national president of the ANC and advocating nonviolent resistance to apartheid. South Africa's institutionalized system of white supremacy and racial segregation. However, after the massacre of the peaceful black demonstrators at Sharpsville in uh, 1960, Nelson held uh, helped organize a parliamentary branch of the ANC to engage in guerrilla warfare against the white minority government. In 1961, he was arrested for treason, and although acquitted, he was arrested again in 1962 for illegally leaving the country. Convicted and sentenced to five years at Robben Island Prison, he was put on trial again in 1964 of charges of sabotage. In June 1964, he was convicted along with several other ANC leaders and sentenced to life in prison. He spent his first 18 of his 27 years in jail at the brutal Robben Island prison, confined to a cell, small cell with a bed or without better plumbing. He was forced to do hard labor in a quarry. He could write and receive a letter once every six months, and once a year he was allowed to meet with a visitor for 30 minutes. The question, of course, was one of them, Joe Biden. You may recall Biden claimed to have been there when uh, Mandela was released. Anyhow, however, Mandela's resolve remained unbroken, and while remaining the symbolic leader of the anti-apartheid movement, he led a movement of civil disobedience at the prison that coerced South African officials into drastically improving conditions on Robben Island. He was later moved to another location where he lived under house arrest. In 1989, F.W. de Klerk became South African president and set about dismantling apartheid. The clerk lifted the ban on ANC and suspended executions, and in February 1990 ordered the release of Nelson Mandela. Mandela subsequently led the ANC in its negotiations with minority government for an end to apartheid and the establishment of a multiracial government. In 1993, Mandela and de Klerk were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. One year later, the ANC won an electoral minority in the country's first free elections, and Mandela was elected South Africa's first uh, black president. Mandela retired from politics in 1999, but remained a global advocate for peace and social justice until his death in 2013. Sadly, for all his struggle, and of course he lived a, a noble life, he was a socialist. And that legacy, of course, lives on in South Africa right now with all the ideas that plague here in the United States. But what a what a life he led. Too bad he had his ladder leaning against the wrong wall when he got out of prison. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 92 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Collier County yesterday. The number of cases is going down. The seven-day average of new cases was at 89 through Tuesday. That's a big drop, less than half of the average on January the 1st. Uh, on Wednesday, there were 72 folks in the hospital with the COVID-related issues. 
it's only 72. So that's dropped down from way over 100 to just 72. So things are looking up here on the Paradise Coast. I hope they stay that way. People are talking about mutations. We'll f- talk about that in a moment. So have you, uh, Alfie Oaks and Seed to Table taken a hit because of the shaming and the virtue signaling from the national news? I don't think so. On the entrance of the sign to uh, Seed to Table, it reads, if, you, if we see you without a mask, we will assume you have a medical condition and we'll welcome you inside to support our business. In other words, masks are optional at Seed to Table in spite of the county mask mandate. NBC News' Sam Brock did a hit piece on this fine establishment, spotlighting the store's optional mask policy in an effort to score on Oaks Farms' owner who disputes the official COVID death numbers. He disputes the whole thing as a hoax. But the real truth is actually a heartwarming source of civic pride for anti-maskers and people with breathing-related medical conditions, according to sources on the ground. My wife Linda shopped there on Saturday, and one of the cashiers told her that there was a line all the way around the building to get in at 6 a.m. that morning when Seed to Table opened. Seed to Table may be the happiest business in Naples, of course, because everybody's walking there whether they're wearing a mask or not. And you know what? Virtue signaling about mass is not welcome at Seed to Table. Well, the mainstream media is filled with daily blasts of dread about the new wave of virus that will affect us all. Expect four to six more months of lockdowns, mass schools, closures, we're all told. Here's the latest, latest data. From their peak about a month ago, cases are down 56%. Positive percentage is down 51%. Hospital census is down 35%. ICU census is down 28%. Deaths are down 16%. Every region in this country is falling in every metric now and sharply. But the mainstream media warns of Super Bowl parties that are supposedly the new super spreader, just like Thanksgiving Christmas were supposed to be, even those who had no discernible effect on the disease curves. And while this victory celebration in Tampa may not have been the wisest thing in the world, it was worth noting that Corona Mianical Sports predicted mass outbreaks of virus after Alabama's win a month ago, and all the metrics in Alabama seem to have crashed like everywhere else. There's nothing to justify short-term doom and gloom when all the metrics are moving so sharply down. The media should try reporting some good news for once, in just my opinion. And by the way, Tucker Carlson had accused the U.S. authorities of lying about safety of new coronavirus vaccines during a segment of his show attacking big tech and the media for censoring skepticism towards inoculation. Tucker argued that the orthodoxies, and by the way, if you don't watch Tucker Carlson, you're missing something special. He's very prepared every night and does a great job. He's on at 8 o'clock on Fox, which the only show I watch on, on Fox anymore. Anyhow, Tucker argued that the orthodoxies surrounding mass and social distancing have evolved without explanation and uh, that any dissent was immediately being silenced. What about this vaccine, he asked. Why are Americans being discouraged from asking simple, straightforward questions about it? How effective are these drugs? Are they safe? What, uh, what's the miscarriage risk for pregnant women, for example? Is there a study that may we see it? And by the way, how much are the drug companies making off this stuff? These are not conspiracy theories and questions. They're the most basic questions. In a democracy, every citizen has a right to know the answer. But instead, we get fluff and propaganda, said Tucker. The media rollout for the vaccine came off of just like a Diet Pepsi commercial at Super Bowl. Tons of celebrity endorsements. Not a lot of science, he said. If the vaccine was so great, why are these people lying about it? Honest question. And they were lying. Clearly they were lying. You know that for certain, because of the moment that COVID-19 vaccine arrived, the most powerful people in America worked to make certain that no one criticizes it. Boy, is that true. By the way, an uh, uh, Axios Ipsos poll of over 1,000 adults asked when people anticipated returning to normal in-person gatherings with family and friends outside the home. Republicans, 42% said they already have. Democrats, 10% said they had, had done so. One in four Americans said they would hold off getting back to normal until national and local leaders said it was safe. Only 12% of Republicans said that while 34% of Democrats felt that way. So I guess there's a difference in how much trust there is towards government officials between Republicans and Democrats. What accounts for the vast difference? 
I think the uh, possible answer is that there aren't mutually exclusive. Democrats trust government officials more and believe they are likely to tell them the truth. How naive. Democrats are most risk-averse and more prone to fear, especially spread by the media. And many Democrats believe that science must be followed no matter what, even if it's been shown to be politicized or if it contradicts what is common sense. I think that's absolutely true. And by the way, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention updated its mask guidance on Wednesday to include data from a recent lab experiment. Guess what? Their recommendation right now, in spite of all the information we just covered, two masks are recommended, not just one. Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention anything about the uh, impeachment proceedings. It's, it's a big pillow fight up there in Washington, D.C. It's going on. I don't think it's going to amount to much. Uh, Democrats are uh, caught lying in a couple things, and uh, Stalwell uh, doctored a tweet. Anyhow, it's all going on up there. I think it's all going to end in acquittal, and I don't, I'd don't. i be interested in knowing how many people are watching the thing. I certainly am not. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Uh, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, a terrific organization. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility. My goodness, why is this doing? <laughs> this is the second time that's happened. Okay, well, we've got everything under control now. Anyhow, rooted in uh, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon from the uh, Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder of a terrific organization, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots organization uh, that focuses on K-12 education. Uh, we really work in three areas. We work in the legislative area. 
we actually have bills, uh, a bill filed in both the Florida House and Senate fighting the pornography that's in our school systems. And we're huge advocates for the scholarship programs we have, bluntly getting our kids out of government schools and into much better alternatives. Um, and, and we focus on uh, building relationships and making parents aware in their own community about what's going on in their schools. You know, it's so ignored. We are probably in the most conservative county in, in uh, Florida, and yet we have a, you know, a really uh, uh, liberal uh, school board, in my opinion. And people just don't pay attention to it. We spend a billion dollars a year here in Collier County to educate kids. And uh, people don't pay attention to it, and they should, for crying out loud. Now, you had a great event last night. I'm sorry I wasn't able to attend. I got a little back problem here. I'm having surgery on uh, Monday. But irrespective, uh, maybe you could tell us about it. No, it was uh, It was really turned out to be a great event. Uh, it was a rocky time getting it put together during this COVID environment. Oh, yeah. Uh, we started out with uh, three intended speakers, Alveda King, uh, uh, Senator DeMint and General Jerry Boykin. And three weeks ago, um, Alveda told us that she wouldn't, she wasn't able to come in person because of her concern over COVID. Yeah. So we just had a short video from her. Um, and we replaced her with a, a lady that was amazing, uh, Rebecca Friedrichs. Uh, Rebecca's a teacher out of California who's been fighting the union. She actually was the plaintiff in a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and a long story short, and I won't get into the details, but it, the, the end of that effort uh, was now that teachers don't have to pay. It's not mandatory. They pay dues, and the unions can't automatically take it out of their, their, their paycheck. Wow. Um, she's very active in that arena. Uh, she did a great job last night. Um, then last, uh, last Wednesday, uh, we, got a, we got a call from uh, Senator DeMint's senior aide saying that he had had to have uh, emergency stent put in uh, an artery to his heart, and he was fine, but the doctors wouldn't let him travel for 10 days. That makes sense. But uh, De De Senator DeMint was amazing. He jumped in personally, and within 24 hours, uh, Ben Carson agreed to replace him. Fabulous. And so we, uh, and, and so we, had, uh, we had ended up with G General Boykin, who did an amazing job, we're going to be doing uh, putting the videos together from this, and we'll be making them public. Um, but uh, it, it was just a really um, a lot of a, a lot of support in the room. Uh, built a number of new relationships uh, that I think will be helpful on multiple fronts as we move forward. So overall, we were very pleased with uh, with the event. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, again, I just want to remind. Our listeners, the important cause that you have, which is to really make sure that we have high-quality education in Florida in our public schools. And uh, I credit your organization, the Florida Citizens Alliance, for making a huge difference and having a lot of influence in Tallahassee and with the Commissioner of Education. GoFLCA.org is the website. Now, the big question is money. Uh, yeah, we actually uh, significantly exceeded our uh, business model, if you will. Uh, I'm still pulling all the numbers together, but I, 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 I uh, so I don't have a specific to give you. I will maybe next week, but um, we were very pleased with that. The uh, auction item, we had three auction items, which were uh, amazing. The uh, Alamo here in town um, l let us auction off, and we, and we got all the proceeds, uh, a presidential membership for a year. Wow. Uh, about a $6,500 value, and actually... Uh, it sold twice. They allowed us to sell it twice and included an AR-15 with the package on each. Wow. Uh, so, and then we, uh, we had uh, Jim Lindell, uh, or Mike Lindell from the, uh, from the MyPillow uh, operation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had an auction item that actually sold twice. Uh, he's, in, he's inviting six people to his factory up in Minnesota where he'll give them a personal tour and lunch. And then each of the attendees get a, uh, you know, a complete set of his sheets and, and linens and so forth. Wow. Um, that, uh, we had two of them, sold it twice, 
and raised about thirty thousand bucks on that. Isn't um, that fantastic? Well, Keith, you got to be you got to be so proud of uh, of what you've accomplished. I don't know. I, I want to just uh, mention this to you because I'm not going to have a chance other chance to share it on the show. But apparently, yesterday, Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky. Did you hear about this? No, I haven't. Well, he just, he says uh, he has a a one sentence, ten word bill that he submitted since hr 899 it reads the department of education shall terminate on december 31st 2022 <laughs> <laughs> i think we pretty much understand where he stands but you know that is one of the best bills i've heard coming through uh, the house of representatives in a long time yeah well I, philosophically and ideologically i would certainly agree with that uh, you know once these government agencies um even though they're unconstitutional in every respect, once they get going, it's, it's really, really hard. A number of presidents have committed to get rid of it, and, and even even uh, Trump said he would. But, you know, it's just really hard to break him up. Oh, so I wish him well with that. Yeah, I do too. I, it probably won't pass. The, I think Trump probably knows better than anybody that the, the deep state... Uh, is very deep in Washington D.C. and uh, I'm I'm sure the unions and all the things that really prohibit uh, progress. We should have probably four agencies instead of all the alphabet agencies we have in Washington D.C. Anything created after 1800 probably should be closed down. Yeah, uh, well, you, you know, you've heard me say this. Uh, I'm sure your listeners may may recall it. I I always start a conversation with people on. Um, uh, you know, our, our public schools are union-driven government monopolies. And yeah. most people, uh, even though they don't know what to do about it, uh, would, would quickly agree. And then the question becomes, how do you reform a monopoly? Yeah. And the answer is you can't. You have to break it. And how do you break it? And that's competition taking their kids away. So that's why we spend so much energy uh, just encouraging parents to take responsibility for the kids Stop drinking the Kool-Aid and get their kids out of government schools. Absolutely. Well, you know, one thing we could do is if we're going to have teachers' unions, we're going to have student unions <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. parental unions or something because they got a lot of force and a lot of power, and they have a monopoly, as you pointed out. Everybody needs to take a second look at this and really pay attention. I want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, goflca.com goflca.com just really impressive organization when are the uh, videos going to be up well it'll probably early next week uh, we, we, we put <clears throat> excuse me we put a lot of energy into this so um, I, I'm not promising reform on uh, you know Tuesday or Wednesday of next week we oh. just got a lot of cleanup to do and things to and and by the way we're still uh we're still very focused on the bills that are moving up in the legislature um you know we've got a, we've got our bills that are filed and and we're really working hard on supporting parents rights bills and a total revamp of all the scholarships that uh, that are so beneficial to our kids so. all, all great florida is leading the way and i credit you leading the way in school choice and uh giving you know, parental choices you know they've they've tied the lack of school choice to uh, student suicides to all kinds of things all kinds of bad effects it's the right thing to do. So, Keith, again, goflca.com is the website. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Hey, good luck with your surgery next week. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Keith is uh, referring to, I'm having a major back surgery on Monday, so next week there probably is not going to be any shows. I'm sure I'll be out for a week, hopefully not longer. Uh, but looking forward to get this over with because you know what? I'm tired of the pain. And uh, even though I, it doesn't interrupt doing the show, uh, but I look forward to getting back to normal. Coming up, uh, Mal Michael Cannon. He is the uh, member of the Cato Institute. He's the uh, director of health studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Salute Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Salute Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Salute Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout out to Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. It's just outstanding. I post all my shows there, and you can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us to uh, to get the website. Choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. So uh, we, you know, we can expect a, a lot of return to some of the policies uh, under the Obama administration with his President Biden and his administration, and I suspect that's going to happen in health care. What's, what's going on with, uh, with uh, is there any kind of developments going on right now? So Democrats have had a wish list of things they want to do do with the Affordable Care Act. They want to expand the Affordable Care Act, and now that they've got the White House and both chambers of Congress, they are including that wish list in a what they call a COVID relief package. Uh, it's more like an Obamacare relief package hmm. because among the changes that they're making is they are expanding the premium subsidies available for Obamacare plans to people making up to $100,000 a year, maybe $200,000 a year, and households making maybe up to $300,000 per year. And this is really interesting because it tells us that the, uh, afford, the so-called Affordable Care Act is not making health affordable. In fact, it has made health insurance so unaffordable that people with six-figure salaries need subsidies from the government in order to purchase. This is not a great... Michael, you're breaking up. Maybe you can move move a little closer to a window. You're breaking up a little bit. Are you there, Michael? In fact, in fact, uh, it shows that uh, it, it's just the latest indication that this approach to health care reform is making health care less affordable and reducing access to care on the whole, and uh, and that we need to find a different approach. Well, that's disturbing information. So, uh, you know, so if we're going to have subsidies to buy health insurance, are we going to also have penalties if you don't? It doesn't look like they're going to be implementing any uh, penalties for purchasing health insurance, but uh, Congress already eliminated the individual mandates penalty uh, 
back in 2017, uh-huh. and the Affordable Care Act has not collapsed as people, uh, the exchanges have not collapsed as people expected that they would. And so I don't think Democrats are interested in doing that. But let's remember, the federal government does have uh, an implicit and effective penalty that it imposes on people who don't buy employer-sponsored insurance. There's a huge tax preference for employer-sponsored insurance, which uh, creates a situation where either you buy the type of insurance the government wants you to buy, which is insurance that's tied to an employer, so it's lousy insurance that disappears when you change jobs uh, or lose your job for any reason, even if you've gotten sick, and then it'll leave you with a pre-existing condition. Uh, if you don't buy that type of lousy insurance that the government wants you to buy, then you have to pay higher taxes to the government. Yeah. You know, call that a, a mandate to purchase health insurance, but it operates in exactly the same fashion, and uh, that ma- th- that's a mandate that Congress should be getting rid of. If, that, if Congress is interested in making health care more affordable and access to health care more secure, that should be job number one. Yeah, uh, but the, this Congress isn't interested in doing that. They would much rather subsidize people who are making six-figure salaries in order to help those people afford uh, a, a very unaffordable health insurance model. Uh, it's such a shame. I, you know, I'm an advocate for health savings accounts and having ca- catastrophic health care coverage so that uh, we can reduce the premiums, keep ourselves healthy, and uh, have backup in case we have something catastro- catastrophic happen to us that we have to cover, like my back surgery coming up. <laughs> on, on uh, uh, Monday, but... Bob, you're having back surgery? Yes, I am. Uh, what, what's going on? Well, I had uh, uh, I have a, st- a congenital stenosis, and I've been having uh, a, a deterioration in my ability to function for over five years. First saw a surgery five years ago. I'm right now so happy to be going under the knife on Monday to uh, get this done. I'm apparently to be under for about four and a half or five hours. It's, so it's major surgery, but I look forward to uh, to the recovery and uh, getting back to, to doing things I can't do right now. Oh, God. Well, I have had back surgery myself. Uh, I know the agony of back pain, and I hope to God that this brings you relief. Um, uh, you know, maybe we could talk a little more about it offline because uh, there's the, the, the track record of many back surgeries is not great. The, the, uh, the, the medical literature right. finds that a lot of back surgeries do not help and yeah. can, can often make things worse. Yep. Uh, I say that as someone who has undergone uh, yeah. such a procedure, uh, I, I was very leery about it. So maybe we could talk more about that. Yeah, I'm happy to talk. But actually, uh, you know, what I've, uh, I've tried every option. I'm out of options now. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've got a great surgery. And it's scary. I, uh, when I was making that decision, it, yeah. was, it was a horrible place to be in a horrible state of mind to be making that sort of decision. And, and I, I will say, uh, I had uh, a pretty good outcome. I can't be sure that the surgery made it better, but uh, my, my guess is that it did. When, when, uh, when was the so surgery? I, you know, I consider myself one of the lucky ones. Yeah, when was the surgery? Oh, God. Um, uh, you know, I have to date it by my children's ages. And so it was years I ago. Say it was 11, no, well, probably nine, 10 years ago. Okay, interesting. So, yes, I'm aware that m- many back people have difficulty with back surgeries, and uh, I'm, I'm totally aware of that. But, uh, you know, uh, like I say, I think I've got a good surgeon. It's all in his hands, in God's hands. And uh, on Monday, hopefully, I'll come out of all of this with a good recovery. We'll see how it goes. In any event, uh, uh, it looks like we're going down the wrong path uh, legislatively when it comes. How, what percentage of our population is uh, covered by Obamacare? Well, it's a pretty small percentage. It's only about uh, 10 to 20 million people, mm-hmm. uh, which is less than 10% of the population. In yeah. the health insurance exchanges, uh, there are uh, millions more in the Medicaid expansion part of Obamacare. Yeah. But the... Uh, the exchanges, uh, Democrats are hoping that those will play a larger role uh, in providing health insurance to people. And that should really concern everyone, be, not only because, not even primarily, because Democrats themselves believe that people with six-figure salaries need from the federal government to help them afford Obamacare coverage. But also because 
the coverage is not good. There are people who had better coverage prior to Obamacare were thrown out of those plans and they now have uh, health insurance that provides less access to care than they had before. And, uh, you know, Bob, if I could recommend a guest for your show, there's a man not far from where I am right now uh, in Northern Virginia. His name is Christopher Briggs. He's a father of nine and uh, the youngest of his nine children is a adorable little girl named Colette. She was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2015, and it has been a struggle to get her care that she needs because Obamacare has been encouraging her insurance companies to drop coverage mm. for the providers that provide her treatment. And Chris uh, is a very well-spoken uh, advocate for his daughter, and he talks about how maddening it has been to try to get care for this you little know, girl with cancer. Mike, Michael, you know, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I need to move on, unfortunately, but this is such an interesting story. And of course, uh, the, the solution to gov- to problems uh, created by the government is more government. So <laughs> we're going to uh, pick up this conversation another time. Genuinely appreciate your commentary. Cato.org is the website. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob, and best of luck next week. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and we're headed in the wrong direction. Yes, we are. But it's a big market, Seton. <laughs> the market's wide open. <laughs> so hey, you wrote a column, which is really fascinating. U.S. has uh, institutionalized big tech's intellectual property theft. What an interesting concept that is. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, unfortunately, we've, we've had it's, – it's come from the all three branches, really, um, Trump cleaned it up as best he could uh, in the executive branch. God only knows what, you know, 
Biden administration is going to do to undo what Trump did. But there was bad legislation in 2013 called the American Vents Act, led by Republicans, which is an embarrassment. And amongst the many, it was called the American Vents Act. Every, it, the, amongst the many bad things, perhaps the worst, was the creation of what's called the Patent Trial and Advisory Board. Yep. And that, that exists in the Patent and Trademark Office, and it turns the agency that's issuing patents into the agency that also kills patents. Right. So they issue you a patent out of the Patent and Trademark Office, and then Google and Facebook and, and Amazon and Microsoft team up to uh, challenge your patent because they don't want to pay for it. And they challenge it at the PTAB board. And it's a, I looked it up. It's an average of 450 grand, not 250 grand, to, f- per challenge to fend off these yeah. challenges. And what Google and Facebook and Amazon do is sometimes they coordinate. And if multiple companies want to kill the patent, uh, they'll they'll file jointly, and they'll they'll file a bunch of char- charges, which is really one charge, but they'll word it slightly differently so it counts as a different thing. So, of course, 450000 per isn't a lot of money to Google and Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft, but to the guy who just invented something in his garage, it kills him. Yeah, yeah this is easy. And uh, what happens is when you, when you can't afford to defend your patent, it just be, goes into the public domain and then everybody steals it. Yeah, that's, it's just and theft. so that, that came out of the Congress. Uh, Obama did a bunch of terrible things, which, uh, tr- you know, unilaterally at the executive uh, level that uh, Trump undid, and then of course the judiciary, the the courts have made a lot of dumb rulings. We talked, uh, I believe, earlier about uh, their 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 superseding patent law and intellectual property law with antitrust law, which of course is absurd because antitrust law is uh, a monopoly law and government. Issuing patents and trademarks and copyrights is a, go- a lawful monopoly. Right. So you can't have the government issue you a patent and then sue you for being a monopoly. It's absurd. Uh, additionally, there's a, there was a ruling in '84. It was called. It, it, it created. What, it was. It involved Chevron Gas uh, Oil Company, and it, it resulted in what became Chevron deference. And what that meant was the Supreme Court ruled, and Scalia, unfortunately, ruled wrong in this. Um, it said, okay, the executive branch agencies are where the experts are. And therefore, when it comes down to the executive branch agents determining where their limits of power are, where their limits of expertise are, we're going to leave it to them to decide what, what those limits are and what those areas of expertise are, because they're the experts. Nice. And as we've seen from Dr. Fauci for the last year, the highest-paid bureaucrat in D.C., the experts aren't really so much experts no, they're not. as they are career you know, bureaucratic hacks. Right. So, of course, when you, when you tell a bureaucrat, you define what your limits of power and authority are, no bureaucrat finds any. Right. <laughs> so... You've got these executive, you know, so you've got this, you created this double-edged sword of, one, the courts ruling against patents in favor of law that shouldn't be superseding uh, copyright law and patent law and trademark law. And two, you've, you've greenlit bureaucrats to do all sorts of damage unilaterally because, you know, they're supposed to set their own limits and no bureaucrat thinks they have any. So how, how does and, that... And the, the, these are precedents created by courts, and for some reason we have deference to precedents, unless, of course, it's, it's Brown v. Board of Education, and then, of course, you have to overthrow that precedent. <laughs> you know, yeah. some, some precedents are more uh, equal than others. So let me but, ask um, a point of question so, here. Yeah, this, this combination of things is what's you know, really damaged us globally, uh, as far as being an intellectual property creator and leader. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame. And by the way, how does a court, a part of the judicial department, end up in the executive branch? Say that again, I'm sorry. How does a court end up in the executive branch? Well, that's the thing. That, the, the, you know, there's a bunch of those that have happened over the years, and, and courts have ruled that it's okay, which, of course, is, again, the founding fathers set up three branches of government. Right under the impression 
that each branch would defend their purview, right? Right. When judges start writing law, the founding fathers thought, okay, Congress, which is supposed to write law, would reign in the judges who are taking their job. Uh, likewise, the executive branch is not a judicial branch. It, it, you know, it's, it, and oh, and by the way, the the the, <laughs> the lawyers that serve as the judges in in these PTAB uh, patent trial and advisory board cases often come off of representing the big tech companies and then go and rule on the big tech companies' uh, filings against patents in the patent trial and advisory board hearings. So uh, there was one Apple guy who just finished 14 cases for Apple and then went and became a PTAB judge and ruled for Apple. Yeah. Didn't have to recuse himself or anything. That's unbelievable. Uh, 80, I think it's 75% of the rulings at PTAB overturned the patents that were just issued by the Patent and Trademark Office. See, this is Sir, unfortunate because crazy. you have people who come up with an invention, they patented it, the invention, trademark it, whatever it might be, and, and then uh, big businesses say, oh my goodness, that looks very attractive. We, we should have that. We should own it. Uh, instead of just making a deal with the guy that invented it, they just steal it through the legislative process or the uh, Because over process. the years, of course, you know, up front, it's more expensive for big for big tech to ch you know challenge the patent. But if they're going to use it for twenty years, or you know, eight years, or sixteen years, long term, it's cheaper to right. destroy the patent right rather than pay for it. And 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 of course, they have the money to to be short term stupid and afford to be long term, you know, damaging to the, to the intellectual property world. Yeah, we just need government to stay in its lane and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> let us let the free market. Uh, if you look at what happened, uh, everything that's wrong with this country, it's government doing something it shouldn't be doing. Right. It's actually identifying a problem they created and trying to solve it. It's unbelievable. Steve Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. A terrific column. U.S. has institutionalized big tech intellectual property theft. It's a great read. Steve, I always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We've added more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you. Uh, you hear me pretty good? I can hear you pretty good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you. It's better than it, what it was on the, on the um, cell phone, but um, it's still not great. Let's put it that way. We'll have to work on that. All right. Well, uh, we'll have a chance to work on next week. I won't be doing the show. Right. So uh, anyhow, ended up going to a surgeon that uh, you've used, and uh, so I appreciate the referral. Uh, well, my pleasure, and uh, uh, I, I think you'll be uh, 
I think he'll be really pleased. Um, he's, he, I don't know if we mentioned him on the air or not, but he, he's a terrific guy. Dr. Gary Colon is his name. Uh, yep. And, uh, yep. And uh, um, I'm uh, not only a, a likable guy, but, a, but an excellent, one of the top surgeons that we have around here. And uh, so um, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. We'll uh, say a prayer or two for you, and uh, you'll knock it out of the park. I expect you'll be driving the golf ball probably 275 yards uh, after this surgery. Listen to you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Bill, I really appreciate those comments. So, uh, you know, right now, ear to the ground, what's going on in Naples? Well, um, you know, the, uh, it seems that, we're, um, that the, the, the COVID shots are certainly increasing. Mm-hmm. I'm still hearing from friends and, and people that I know, as you probably are, that they're still having a difficult time. But I think less of a difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, than 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 prior. I agree. Uh, I don't know what 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 do you hear? Well, you know, clearly the uh, demand exceeds uh, the supply, and you got uh, three hundred two hundred sixty million people that want a shot. <laughs> it's rolling out slowly. So my my advice is just be patient. You know, you have to call up or you have to get on a website and uh, get an appointment. Now I understand you had some good luck. Did you get any special treatment? Did anybody? No. Gosh, we didn't get any special treatment. I mean, that was the first question people were asking me. Uh, oh, you used your juice. I said, man, I ran out of juice a year ago. <laughs> we don't have any special juice. But we called, and we happened to catch when they were doing them that, at, um, at Baker. Um, and we, we got on the tail end, and they had just, just, just about run out and said, we're going to be doing more tomorrow. And... Um, we will call you back, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And sure enough, the next day they called back and said, can you come the following day at, uh, I think it was 7.30 in the morning, something like that. And I said, yeah, we'll be there. Hmm. And so we did, and um, uh, then they immediately gave us our second dates, uh, which, are, which, which were today. Um, and so we'll get our second shots today. And, uh, you know, you hear... I mean, I've heard uh, various stories, Bob, about, you know, my gosh, you've got to be, be careful. The second shot is, is tougher than the first, and mm. some people have had, you know, some reactions where they were nauseous or whatever it is. But we're going in there, you know, gung-ho and say, hey, give us a shot, I don't, regardless of whatever. We're, we've kind of got the day blocked off, and, and I didn't make any plans for tomorrow. So whatever it is, it is, you know. Yeah, well, that's the right attitude. If you make the decision to do it, do it with a positive attitude. That's my point of view. I mean, you can't have can't have doubts and second thoughts about it. So, right, right, exactly. And uh, I didn't tell you this. Um, city council meetings. Mm-hmm. I thought you might find this interesting. The numbers came out for the past year, and it seems that um, my last year as mayor, um, you know, full mayor, was the year you know 2019 mm-hmm. up until um, until 20 um, <clears throat> was. Uh, I had 355 hours worth of, of council meetings. Well, it seems that our current council has um, 500 and something like 550 meetings uh, up till now and three months of no meetings. So what does that tell you? It tells you you to have a lot of long meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so they're... they're, they're, they're they're making a lot of noise, but I'm not sure they're doing much, Bob. Yeah, they're squeezing, but they're not juice, much juice is coming out. Well, maybe you that's there? a good thing. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, sometimes less government is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so anyway, I mean, that's, um, that's about it. I know the restaurants are still busy, but it's funny. We see some places that we think are busy, um, I mean, that should be busy, and they're not. Uh, I know that... Chris yesterday went, she said she went to one of the restaurants in Waterside, mm-hmm. and um, she said it was around noon, and it was really, it was kind of quiet, and I'm thinking, wow, those, those, those restaurants are usually pretty busy, so I, I, don't, I just don't know. I know, you get any feel for that? Well, uh, you know, we go to Blue Provence a lot, and it's busy all the time. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that, there's absolutely no doubt about that uh stop you know, by with a friend a fine I, restaurant i stopped by um, with a friend to uh, to get a sandwich uh off for lunch we usually don't do lunch but we stopped at captain and crew to uh, get have you been there before captain and crew yeah uh, I used to go there for lunch all the time when I was at City Hall. I was yeah. right around the corner. Yeah, well, they had a, a tuna, what was it called? A tuna BLT. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. What yep. a fantastic sandwich that is. That's a that's a that's a nice that's a nice sandwich. Yeah, they do a nice little job, and they're busy. And you sit out there and look at Cambia Park, or a lot of people just take a little to go and walk over and sit on the bench in Cambia Park and, and eat. But um, you know, the city manager is uh, going back to city business. Uh, Chapman is um, he's applied for the county manager job. We should know in a couple of weeks on that because they're narrowing it down. Yeah. Because Leo Oaks, the current uh, county manager, is uh, leaving in May. And so the the um, the scuttlebutt is: Will Charles get the job, or will will he not? Mm-hmm. And I'll 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 hold off on making any um, any judgment on that because uh, I don't think it's proper for me to do that. But um, uh, I don't have any inside information, so I don't know whether he gets it or he doesn't. Well, well, but I, I do I, know if he gets it, the city council is going to be in a in a, in a bit of a pickle. Although Dana Souza who's our um, assistant city manager, is a fabulous guy ah. and, and will do a phenomenal job. So um, either way, I, I think it's, it's kind of a win-win. Absolutely. I, I don't know how many people have applied for Lee Oak's job, but it's a, it's a big job, and uh, he's had some staying power there. He's done a, he must have done a good job because not a lot of controversy and things that he's said or done. But, uh, you know, I would imagine the county would prefer to take somebody local that they know than rather than have somebody coming in from another state or another part of the country. Right. And, and my understanding is that they've narrowed it down and each uh, commission member has um, a select few on their desk and they will narrow down from there. Uh, I think they had five candidates left from, from my understanding uh, a day or two ago. Well, that's a big and job. And so they'll narrow them down, and I think next week they will come out, they'll discuss it uh, in open and um, uh, make a selection. That's great. Well, I hope, he, you know, if he if he's the right guy for the job, I hope he gets the job. And I'm sure that, uh, did you say his name, Sousa, is the assistant? Uh, you know, no, no, no. Dana, Dana Sousa is our assistant city manager right now, and uh-huh. he would move up if, if Charles Chapman got the job as county manager. Great. Dana would move up in the city, hopefully, to city manager. Um, and, and he's a great guy. I said that Charles Chapman, our city manager, has applied for the county manager right. job. So uh, just changing topics slightly, but uh, Belinda went to see the table uh, on Saturday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and she said she said the cashier told her that the day after that publicity, you know, this guy wrote wrote that uh, really question. Tried to uh, uh, right for her. Tried to smear uh, Oaks. Alfie, Alfie, yeah, and and is uh, she said the the line to come in the store at six a.m. <laughs> was around the building. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, b- I believe it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a, gr- you know, it's the happiest place in all of uh, Naples. It is the happiest place in all of Naples. Um, Chris and I go there. We usually go there on, on Sundays for our grocery shopping. And, you know, we see, you know, there are also people there with masks, including us. And, and yep. there are lots of people without them. And, you know, but everybody's getting along and smiling. At, well, you can't really see me smiling with my <laughs> mask on, but you can see the crinkle <laughs> of my eyes. You That's know? right. So, uh, uh, but um, Ed, he does a great business, and this was the best publicity, Bob, he could have ever gotten in his life. Well, that's the point. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's, you know and they're still talking about it. Absolutely. It's just amazing. Again, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the bill, uh, bill well, on the show. Well, listen, Bob, before you get off real quick, uh, good luck, uh, and uh, uh, I'm I'm hundred percent confident you'll be great and we'll be uh, thinking about you and make sure Linda lets us know how you're doing. All well, right. You got it. Thank you so much, Bill. Okay, Bob. All take right. care. Bye. Bye-bye. That's uh, again, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Uh, <laughs> I love his commentary here in the show. He has a lot to say. And of course he can express his opinions a lot more freely now that he's not the mayor of Naples. And uh, uh, he, that's always of value. Hope you enjoyed the show today. I certainly did. Uh, we've got great guests for tomorrow, including. William Yateman, he is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're talking about current uh, global events. Keith Maples is uh, with the Neighborhood Health Clinic. Uh, he is the, uh, I've forgotten the name, <laughs> title, but irrespective. I know what he does, and he does a great job of it, but the Neighborhood Health Clinic is a terrific organization. So Keith will be joining us. Uh, we'll also be visiting with John Burlow, who uh, wrote uh, entre- uh, George Washington Entrepreneur. And uh, with George Washington's birthday coming up, I thought it might be interesting to talk about his great accomplishments, not only as 
president as general, but also his many businesses that he ran uh, at Mount Vernon. And Dave DeBigo is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to get on the list, distribution list for uh, the email that I send out after each show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. Bob Harden.